your boy DM3, and you're listening to Pandemonium with Mike Lindsley on the Buffalo Bills, exclusively on the Built to Buffalo Podcast Network. Bills Mafia, what's up? We are back, the Pandemonium Podcast, and we are going to talk about the Bills and a crazy busy time with our good buddy Scott Petoniak, the longtime Buffalo Bills insider, reporter, author. You can get him on Twitter, at Scott Petoniak, and of course, rbj.net for all of his terrific pieces on the Buffalo Bills. Scott, welcome to the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network and the Pandemonium Podcast here, man. It's been a busy time, and Brandon Bean is at it again. Yeah, he is. Um, I love Brandon Bean. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, I think he's the best, uh, no question, he's the best GM since Bill Polian, and that includes guys I had tremendous respect for who followed Polian, such as John Butler, who kind of learned under Polian. Um, Bean's just, uh, Mike, he is just a a master at uh, roster building in the 21st century. You know, the game has changed dramatically since the years when Bill Polian was building those Super Bowl teams, you know, the, mm-hmm. the salary cap, uh, you know, free agency. Um, and so I, I just think Bean has become a master at, um, you know, of, of restructuring contracts, dumping contracts, uh, um, and, and finding, you know, free agent replacements, even if it's not, you know, exactly the situation that you were hoping for, you know. Um, you know, so I, I'm... I'm just really, really confident with this guy. And, and you know, he's coming on the heels, remember, of, of, you know, Whaley, Doug Whaley, and how this team was constantly in, in uh, salary cap jail, you know, salary cap hell, purgatory, whatever term you wanted to use. And uh, he came in. He had to do some dirty work early on. Uh, you know, they had to they – did, they, they did a massive, you know, makeover of this roster in a short period of time fully understanding there was going to be, you know, uh, uh, possibly a good amount of pain early on. And uh, I'm just I'm just really uh, thoroughly impressed with how he handles it. He's the perfect GM for these times, I think. Let's get to the to the most recent one, which literally happened probably about less than an hour ago. Um, the Bills are signing former Washington running back J.D. McKissick um, it's a two-year, $7 million deal with an upside to eight, uh, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. And, and Scott, this to me is is a steal for a guy who I think he had 80 catches in 2020, uh, had a very formidable year last year on probably an average offense. God, wait till he sees what he's going to join. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think this move here is as good as any in terms of fit, player, speed that they need, and of course you know, you can protect Josh Allen uh, in in not just the offensive line, uh, you know, scenario, but you can protect him with more and more weapons. Here we go with McKissick. I think this move is fantastic. Yeah, and you know what I, I like here? We had heard a lot of talk, Mike, about, you know, uh, the possibility of Christian McCaffrey. But the reality there, I, I never liked that move. As great a player as he is, the, the biggest problem with him is, is his durability, you know, and, and – I mean, I forget what the, the paltry number of games he's played in the last two seasons or whatever. So that kind of bothered me, plus the, the hit you were going to take financially uh, to bring in a player of that caliber. Now, maybe you could have rolled the dice. Maybe he never gets hurt again. Yeah. And he plays, you know, I mean, at the peak, 
you know, I mean, think, think of that kind of production, putting him in there. But, yeah, I think this makes better sense. Um, you get a guy who, who is better than what you have, particularly from a, a, a pass-catching standpoint. Um, and, you know, you give Josh another weapon. And as you said, you're, like, you're alleviating some of the pressure. Um, it, although I think, you know, I think this line is better right now. Uh, than it was, you know, 24 hours ago with the signing of Roger Saffold, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's a good move. I think it's a it's a it's a smart move, money wise. Fits into what they're dealing with, you know, against the cap. Uh, and you know, they've they've got, you know, he's he's got a lot. Uh, Bean has a lot more work to do, obviously, particularly, you know, being up against it with the cap. But he's freeing some money here and there, like restructuring you know, Mitch Morris's contract and so forth to create, you know, another $9 million in space. But yeah, I like it. And, and I'm, a, I'm of the belief here, Mike, that I want as many toys, as many weapons as I possibly can get for my quarterback. We saw Kansas city do this. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's the way, way of the world right now. You've got to, you've got to have an explosive offense and you can never have too many weapons. And you got this, this quarterback who I think is right now, the best player in the National Football League and Josh Allen. And you and I have talked a lot to Mike about windows and they close rapidly. Um, you know, for all we know, it may have closed last year with those 13 seconds. Let's hope not. But the, you know, the whole conference has gotten better. I think the AFC East has gotten better. So you gotta, you gotta strike while you can, um, you know? And so, yeah, I, I like, I like that, that move. And I'm sure, by the time we end this podcast, it's going to be who knows two or three more moves. <laughs> I, the way things are moving. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. You you brought up um, another just enormous move for the Bills in terms of their offensive line. Um, you know, one of the best linemen in the league uh, from the Titans last year, Roger Saffold, comes over. Um, <clears throat> I got to tell you, they cut Feliciano and they cut Williams, and they add Saffold. And on the defensive side, you lose Harrison Phillips to big money in Minnesota, but then you almost kind of replace him not once but twice, you know, with, with Settle and Juan Jones. Um, do you feel like the Bills upgraded on both lines up front? I mean, is that possible with losing who they lost and cutting who they who they cut? Yeah, I think they're better. I think they're a better football team right now on paper than they were twenty four hours ago. I really do. Yeah, I mean, look at you know, to me, Williams and Feliciano, letting them go. I mean, those those guys were guys that when we were starting to target this roster and who, who's going to be gone or whatever, we kind of figured, like, certainly Feliciano was was expendable. And, you know, Williams was overrated as well. And so, yeah, you, I mean, what an upgrade there. So you got a better offensive line. Um, still got to get Bates signed, I think, is important. Yes. An important move that they're trying to do. And, um, you know, but defensively, I you know, I thought Harrison Phillips really came on. It, you know, I think it was somewhat of a, I, and I kind of realized though that, hey, he can't afford him. You know, mm-hmm. he he had a good enough stretch there that he really played himself into a better contract. If they, you know, if the if the salary cap had jumped as much as Bean and others thought it would in this post-COVID era, you probably you maybe could have worked this out. You know, but. Um, given the circumstances you couldn't. So, you, you know, as much as you would love to re-sign your own, um, you've got to understand that that's just not the way the way the world works when you get good. 
you know? So, so yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think settle, I think these guys are, you know, they're space eaters, um, you know, which is what Phillips was giving you. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're, I think right now on paper, as we speak right now, they're better football team. Now they've got, you know, they've got pressing issues here. I think the, the big thing that of concern, and, and some of this is going to get addressed in the draft as well, is cornerback, you know, um, you know, you, you don't have the depth you would like, and you're going to lose some, you're going to lose somebody. And, and the, the big factor is like, when is Trey white come back? Uh, and how serious was that injury? You know, and you hope he comes back and expect that he's going to come, come back as good as ever, but there's never a guarantee, right? You know, so, so that's, I think that's the next, one of the, one of the big areas along with, you, you've got to redo, you know, Stefan Diggs's contract, I think is going to take some creativity, but I, Again, I think that you, you know, he, you know, Bean is very, very adroit at handling, you know, these financial situations and how to try to make this work. But so far, yeah, so far things are, are moving along. And as you said, like, you know, again, the Phillips thing was, you know, I would like to have seen him still be on the team, but I also realized the economics were precluding that from happening. So go find another solution that fits into your economics. Yeah, and Stephon Diggs has got to be licking his chops at the money flying around at the receiver position, most notably paying Christian Kirk, a slot guy, $21 million a year if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, which is just outrageous. Um, before I get to another receiver and uh, a kind of a Swiss Army Knife guy and a returner and Isaiah McKenzie, I wanted to just hit you one, with one more on the defensive side. We brought up um, you know, Daquan Jones. We brought up Tim Settle. Um, you know, both of those guys come in. I think they're agile. I think they're really super athletic players. Uh, great one text for the Bills. The Bills also have interchangeable parts. They have nice players. They have Epineza, Basham, Russo, developing players. Okay, but that reeking havoc defensive end, that guy who's just going to completely change, and I know that T.J. Watt and Von Miller and those kind of guys, they don't just fall from the sky, but the Bills – where do they go to try and find that guy? Do you think they still will? And there's a guy out there who's from your neck of the woods who went to your alma mater. Uh, I covered him in college, and his name is Chandler Jones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he you know, in in an ideal world, he's a guy I would go for. I just don't know if the financials are going to work, Mike. I mean, you know, um, and you know, he's a, he's a little long in the tooth, but I still think he's in his prime. And and again. You know, there's got to be a little bit of the Rams philosophy here um, in that, you know, take a little bit of that. Like, we're here now. we got to win now. Um, you know, you don't want to go to the point. I know Brandon Bean doesn't have a philosophy of going to the point like we're going to mortgage everything. You know, you don't have a first round pick for the, you know, for the foreseeable future or whatever. Not going to go that deeply. But he they all, they all know they're right there. This team is right there. So. And, and we've seen him make bold moves before. I mean, you know, they're, they're, he, he, he's not um, opposed to doing something like that. But does how do you work it? And that would, you know, it's almost going to take a guy like a Chandler Jones to say, I want to play there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work with you on this contractually, how we can make those numbers work. You know, and, and, you know, these guys are a lot brighter than I am in terms of, these capologists, like how do you, you know, well, we'll, we'll make this guaranteed money and we'll like prorate this over three years or whatever, you know, um, and, that, and that's essentially what, 
you know, Bean and, and his guys have to do. But yeah, I would love, I mean, Jones, I mean, he's been a dominating pass rusher. I think it was a big mistake on, you know, Belichick's part to, to get rid of him. Um, you know, given, given the premium on, on pressuring the quarterback and so forth. So I just don't see it working. You know, it's, it's, it would take some really creative math. And I also think in that case, it, it takes some willingness on the part of that math also being accepted by Chandler Jones. And so that's, I, I don't know, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a missing ingredient and you'd love to have it. And, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to get it from who you currently have on the writer on the roster. But, you know, I mean, can a can a Greg Rousseau still get a lot better? Yeah, and I, we saw Ed Oliver finally was finally starting to kick in for him last year. Um, but that would be, yeah, that would be a, a a nice get if you could. I just don't know if it's going to work out. Over their last two full seasons, both 2019 and 2021, Von Miller. 17 and a half sacks, 37 QB hits, five force fumbles. Chandler Jones, 29 and a half sacks, 52 quarterback hits, and 14 force fumbles. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a big time. He's what you want. Yeah. He's definitely what you want. And I, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't started diving into the draft or anything. I don't, I don't know if this is a great class for edge rushers um, or whatever, but, you know, again, We've seen, you know, this is a team that has drafted edge guys, what, fairly highly the last, mm-hmm. you know, what, two, three years. And so you you have to hope that if you really believe in that, those guys, and these guys mature at different and develop at different rates. You know, again, again, Oliver, I thought, um, was, was, you know, we're really starting to see him realize some of that potential that they saw in him three years ago this past season, you know. So, uh, but, yeah, they, they need more. And, and, you know, maybe, you know, Rousseau is this freak of nature. He's, he's such a, he's got such length, yep. which you love, you know, we've seen him tipping passes and stuff. Does he get, does he become even better now, you know, in that sophomore year? Scott Petoniak, our guest talking some Buffalo Bills football here on the Pandemonium podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lindsley, all a part of the Built in Buffalo podcast network. You can get Scott, of course, on Twitter at Scott Petoniak and his terrific pieces uh, at rbj.net and uh, past books, including uh, some on the Buffalo Bills online where books are sold. Isaiah McKenzie is back, a couple-year deal. I guess Bean just loves these two-year deals. Um, but McKenzie is back, kind of the Swiss Army Knife guy. We didn't know, you know, the relationship, him, McDermott, you know, the benching, uh, using him as a scapegoat for the fumble. Um, but it's good to see he's back, I think, Scott, because, listen, I'm, I'm not going to overrate Isaiah McKenzie, but I'm certainly going to underrate him a little bit. I mean, when he was out, the offense was pretty good. He comes in there, and I'm not saying it was just Isaiah McKenzie, but when he's in there and he's jet sweeping and he's in the slot on occasion, uh, you know, where he dominated the Patriots, when he's burning down the field, when he's, you know, uh, uh, just keeping the defense guessing, that Bill's offense is better. That's that's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we, we speed is extremely important. I mean, Kansas City's lived on it. Uh, and I think the Bills, have, you know, they, they've worked on, on improving their speed. So I was happy to see that, cause it, you know, that signing. And, and we saw what he did, um, you know, in that Patriots game, uh, you know, toward the end of the year there, uh, the, the, the day after Christmas and stuff. He was just, he, he, you know, he, he took control of that game. Mm-hmm. He was just uh, 
such a dominating you know factor there. I you know, and I was a little concerned um, about that relationship with McDermott and kind of he, you know he seemed like he was getting into a doghouse that maybe he couldn't get out of. Uh, but you know, to to McDermott's credit, like you know, he did get out of the doghouse and and they utilized him. So and it'll it'll just be interesting to see you know with a new offensive coordinator. Um, you know, what the opportunities are going to be. And also, you know, you're going to have a guy like, I, I you know, I still think Emmanuel Sanders probably retires. Um, you know, I mean, maybe he'll come back. We'll have to see how this all plays out with receivers and, and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, if he, it, that'll, that would create more opportunities to utilize, you know, McKenzie and stuff. So I want to see how Ken Dorsey, uh, if, he, if he's got that, you know, creative touch uh, that, you know, we saw from Brian Dable and stuff that, you know, you've got a guy here who's a unique player um, with a unique skill set. How many different ways can you use them? And, uh, uh, you know, so I'm sure that, I'm sure that uh, Josh was happy with that resigning. Yeah, no doubt. You know, Mitch Morris is another guy, um, you know, Bean restructures and extends him. They actually saved a couple million somehow, um, you know, on the cap for 2022. And, you know, Morris now saying, I want to retire as a Buffalo Bill. This is the only place I want to be. Seems like a lot of guys are saying that. And last year, he was the best offensive lineman for the Bills. I I thought the year before it might have been Feliciano. We know that we, you know, we know that Morris has the concussion history. He's got the injury prone kind of tag connected to him. But man, when he's healthy, good God, is he good, Scott. And, and, you know, you extend him and work him into the fray too uh, to anchor that offensive line. Um, do you, are you concerned at all about his health from the past or are you more riding on last year? Yeah, I'm always concerned. I'm, I'm always concerned. Anybody who has a concussion history, you know, um, because it could, the next one could be it as far as, you know, you're not playing again. I mean, it can be that serious. So I'm, you're always concerned about that. I think the thing that impressed me about Morris is look at, He's, he's not never going to be an earth mover. He's not a big pile driving guy that's going to help you run, you know, off tackle or, or off guard in, in the middle of that hole. Um, but I, I think what he is, is he's a, he's an incredibly nimble guy. And, and if you remember, Dable was actually using him on some pole plays. Yes. I mean, he got out in front of some jet sweeps and stuff mm-hmm. where, you know, and it's very unusual to see a center who is that nimble and that agile to be able to get out there and stuff. So, and he's, he's, he's an exceptional pass blocker, um, which is obviously crucial and stuff. So I'm pretty bullish uh, on this line, um, you know, uh, adding, you know, Saffold in there. I mean, that's a, that's a big upgrade. And again, you got to get Bates signed, I think, cause uh, you know, he came out of nowhere and uh, was one of those Swiss army knife guys that like, Hey, you know we we don't want to you we don't want to use him necessarily as a starter maybe because he could fill in every other place. But then you say like, wait a minute, <laughs> this guy is one of the best five guys. We need to put him in there, you know. And uh, so I, I yeah I, this this line I'm, I'm I'm really high on. And you know Morris tremendous experience uh, fits fits perfectly I think for what they're going to do. But yeah, I'm always I'm always concerned when a player has that you know history, and particularly in today's NFL where you know, it's finally being taken seriously where in the past it was just like, you know, ah, get back in there. You just had your bell rung type thing. Okay. Here's another interesting one that happened uh, just recently. Mike Shula 
has been added to the staff as a senior offensive assistant. You probably remember him last season with Denver. He was a quarterback's coach. He's been with the Bucks, the Dolphins, the Bears, the Jags, the Panthers, and Giants as well. Uh, he was at the University of Alabama as a head coach from 03 to 06 prior to Nick Saban. And, of course, he's coached in the NFL for almost 30 years, and he's the son of that guy, Don Shula. Um, and, of course, he was uh, with McDermott, uh, Carolina. They were coordinators together crossing paths. I don't think this move hurts the Bills at all, Scott. What do you make of it? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the more the merrier, the more ideas you have. Uh, he's, he's got, as you said, he's got a great pedigree. Um, so why not? You know, you've got, you've also got, uh, you, you know, we're, we're hoping that, you know, Ken Dorsey is going to be a, a very good um, offensive coordinator, but you never know, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I thought Dable was great. I thought he was an extremely creative guy who, who utilized people in a lot of different ways. And, you know, we, we used to call them flute plays or, you know, whatever, like, you know, uh, gadget plays, but gadget plays are now normal plays in, in, in today's NFL and stuff. So, so no, I think that's good to have somebody who can, you know, that Dorsey can lean on um, as, as this, you know, as this new offensive coordinator to try to, you know, uh, uh, pick his brain, pick Shula's brain to see like, what do you think about this or that? So I think, I think it's a plus. It's obviously somebody that, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, that McDermott has, um, you know, a comfort level with, which I think is important. I mean, I think some of that stuff about Dable and, and, and McDermott not getting along, I think maybe some of that was overblown a little bit, you know. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, it's a, it's just another plus. Like, you know, get, get the best possible people you can. Surround yourself with the best and most talented people, uh, you know, in an organization. And I think that's what McDermott's done and Bean has done you know, with the staff. No doubt. Scott Petoniak, our guest, a couple more for him, of course, uh, on Twitter at Scott Petoniak. And uh, you can catch all of his work online uh, covering the Buffalo Bills uh, on the regular at rbj.net and, and some of his books online where books are sold. Um, let's kind of end here with the, the new stadium talk. Um, what is the latest that you're hearing and how soon before we hear the next round of development in terms of getting this thing done. And I, I cannot imagine it's going to be that far away here, Scott. No, I think, um, you know, uh, this is no April fool's joke, but I think by April 1st, when state budgets do and so forth, I think that's when it's going to work. I, from what people I've spoken to, this is not unusual that, you know, wasn't included in the state budget, but part of that is political, mm. you know, like, uh, Kathy Hochul, uh, doesn't want to give downstate politicians, you know, something to, you know, like, give them extra weeks to criticize her about and maybe, you know, maybe make this into more of an issue than she's hoping it becomes. Uh, so I think they're kind of holding off. I think, you know, it's going to get done. Um, uh, you know, I do, I do wish that, uh, and this is just the idealistic me. I do wish that the, you know, the team and the NFL would pick up more of the, uh, you know, more of the price tag. Um, but you know, in reality, Mike, here's the way it works. Fans are going to pay for it one way or another, and you are going to pay for it not only in your tax dollars, which you know, from what I'm reading, like anything from you know around a billion of the 1.4 billion is going to be picked up by the state, the county, and so forth. But you're also going to pay it in, in higher ticket prices. Yep, they're going to pay it in higher parking, higher concessions, higher uh, souvenirs, 
you name it. Um, so you're going to pay for it one way or another. Um, but, uh, you know, let, let's face it, this is the, the bills are such a huge part of, uh, of this region. They're, they're in our DNA and stuff, and it's going to get done. Um, you know, and I, I may not be pleased and others may not be pleased necessarily with the price tag that we're getting stuck with or that, you know, the location or the type of stadium, whatever. Um, but it will it will get done. I, I don't see that being held up. And there's, you know, there is a windfall in state money and stuff. So, um, you know, regardless how you feel about, you know, th- throwing corporate welfare to billionaires, um, you know, it's going to happen. You know what? I got to hit you on one more in a, in a final minute here that I, I blanked on with the free agency stories. Um, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, you know, Vernon Butler, all these different guys, right? Ike Butker, Levi Wallace, all these players. Um, what's your kind of take on the group that's left? Anybody coming back at this point? I, I can't, I can't really see any of these guys back at this point. No, I think age and production, you know, I mean, look at Jerry Hughes, is the holdover, right? He bridges, he's the only one who bridges the gap from the, you know, from the mess that McDermott and Bean inherited to now. And, um, you know, unless, unless he was going to take like some really, you know, really a home team discounted contract or whatever, you know, it's probably the time it's time to move on, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I don't know if any of those guys come back. I think, you know, and again, we talked about, you know, there's still other things you have to work out, um, you know, contract-wise with probably the Diggs one being the biggest one that's going to require the most money and the most creativity. So you've got to create more space. You know, there's there's no question about that. And you still got some other people you got to take care of, too. Um, so, uh, no, and, and that's the thing also that um, I like about Bean and about, about, you know, Mick Bean, I should say, probably, too, is that you know, if they made a mistake or whatever, or it's time to move on, they move on. You know, they're not going to be married to, you know, a player uh, just because, you know, it was their guy or, or whatever. And, and clearly Hughes wasn't. Hughes, Hughes was the, he was the guy who survived. He was the transitional guy. And they got great production. And it's one of the, one of the great steals in, Bill's uh, history in terms of trades and stuff like the production they got from him. Uh, he, he was a very, very good player for this team. But I think, you know, I think you, you take an unsentimental uh, view of things and I think you, you have to move on, you know, and, and you also have to look at the, the dollars that you have to, with which to work. Scott, in closing, uh, go ahead and throw uh, your books out there. Some, uh, some Bill's books that you've had in the past for, for some fans out there who are listening to the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. Well, um, you know, one that's still available that we updated was, uh, you know, My Life on a Special Team. I collaborated with Steve Tasker, the great Steve Tasker on that one. Um, that one's still out there. Uh, you know, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, um, you can get some of these are still available on Amazon. Unfortunately, they're kind of out of print. And then, you know, the one that sold the best and actually people uh, seemed to love the most was the Buffalo Bills football ball, which we did you know, the 50th anniversary season of, of the Bills, and it has all the, you know, all the um, uh, memorabilia in there, you know, replicas of, of letters and programs and tickets and you name it, you know, going back to the beginning of the franchise and stuff. So that one, I, you know, I, to be honest with you, Mike, I wish I had 
myself uh, at an author's rate purchased about a hundred more of those books because I see what they're going for now on uh, on Amazon. They're they're like collectibles now, you know. But um, but the Tasker book is still out there, and there's another Bill's book that I'm currently working on that I can't talk about, but probably can in in a few months here that I think fans are going to love, and uh, it involves uh, a prominent person in the in the history of the of the team. Well, that's really cool, and man. One of these days, I hope you're able to say, yeah, I collaborated with Hall of Famer Steve Tasker, because that is, yeah, that's such yeah. a joke still to this day. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm obviously biased, I, I freely admit it, but I, I saw the whole thing. And, you know, we talk about these figures, these, these, these analytical stats of war, right? Wins above replacement. I'll never forget, you know, when Bruce DeHaven, the, the great special teams coach of the Bills and Tasker's to- coach, um, when he showed me, you know, the uh, highlight reel that he put together, there were 10 games, 10 games hmm. in which Steve Tasker made plays that changed the game, that won the game for the Bills. So, um, you know, hopefully it goes on now, Mike, it goes on to the Veterans Committee. So hopefully they'll be a little bit more receptive and do their homework a little bit better than, sadly, many of the young writers didn't do Uh you know, when it came to Tasker and, and the uh, the voting on, on the Hall of Fame. No doubt. Buffalo Bills insider, reporter, best-selling author, Scott Petoniak, on Twitter, at Scott Petoniak and rbj.net. He is rested. He is tanned. He is spry. He is uh, full of energy. Scott, from your Dominican Republic trip, the pictures looked amazing. Congrats to, uh, to the family on that, and thanks for coming on. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Yeah, I, I think I've lost my tan and And I'm feeling a lot more tired because I've been back for two or three weeks. But it was great. It was great.